Geeks! Geeks! Hello, welcome Geeks. to... Geeks! <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. It's falling apart. Geeks. Hello, welcome to part two of our <laughs> Fright Fest 2016 special. Mm. We're talking through every single film at the UK London uh, horror cult genre film festival, Fright Fest. Uh, we've already did part one, which we covered Thursday night, Friday and Saturday. Now we're into the last two days, Sunday and Monday. Uh, we are doing a spoiler-free cast unless we think the film is so shit, spoilers don't matter, in which case we will let you know, so don't you worry about it. Doing you a favor. Mm -hmm. I'm your host, Al White. Joining me today, on my left... Chris? <laughs> the girl doesn't know his name, the look of surprise on your face. Christopher Straver, and on my right... And hanging around like a spooky ghost in the background. I'm really shit up. <laughs> Uh, we're going to begin talking about your film a little bit, Tamara, which we just saw today, the worldwide oh, yeah. premiere, The Windmill Massacre. I run Massacre. away when that happens. Yeah, we're going to have to be honest. <laughs> um, all right. Sunday. So if you want to know more about the festival, go back to the other podcast. I'm not going to fill you in. Um, and you should really be listening to all of this anyway. <clears throat> Otherwise, you're a crazy person. The day started for us with Broken. Which we did not see. Which mm -hmm. we did not see, but Christopher did. This was a film directed by Sean Robert Smith with a cast of people of names. Uh, it's a UK film. Uh, what does it say here about it? It's from... Oh, it's got the star of Martyrs, Moyana Alawi. Um, in England, to make a fresh start after a harrowing childhood, Evie takes a job as an agency carer and is quickly placed with tetraplegic is that how you say that word yeah mm -hmm. patient john but looking after the bit of former rock star and his excessive demands is emotionally and physically draining forced to go beyond the call of duty and tormented by her past shame an explosive clash of personalities ensues and it's only a matter of time before someone terrifyingly snaps uh-huh yep can, yep. can confirm yep chris uh-huh uh yeah it's kind of uh more of a drama has some dark moments uh she's kind of basically haunted by her past and that's where the scary bits come from but it's oh, not really that like scary oh, yeah. um and yeah it just kind of builds up with these more extreme demands from him and he's having like, all these like parties and <laughs> no it's more um he drugs basically oh. and it, she is not comfortable with that but she just kind of bears with it to a point where she just builds and builds with frustration and just does yeah. she just sigh a lot when she gets the meth from the crackheads <laughs> she's just like uh, yeah, it's just, um, it has a very, unex well, I guess it's not unexpected, but it's a very extreme ending. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I watched the trailer for this when we were going to sleep, because I was thinking, I need some rest, and it took us ages to get back that night, and I saw the trailer, I was like, that looks like it could be a good film, does not yep. look like what I, I don't think I'd enjoy it anyway, and it's not what I want on a Sunday morning. It was tough on a Sunday morning, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So everyone in the group, there were some mixed feelings in this one. Cause I think a couple of people actually really liked it. Yeah. Um, and Tom really didn't like it. Really? I know, yeah. He really wasn't keen on oh. it at all. He just thought it was grim and dull and, and boring. Mm. Um, which is kind of how the trailer looked to me. It looked like something which, to be honest, I don't think I'll get much enjoyment out of this. It just looked kind of miserable and grey. And mm. broken. Broken. What? So Chris, where did you fall though? Because since you were the representative. Um... I would give this one a seven. Yeah, I think, yeah. It was actually it was good. Uh, I yeah, on Sunday morning it was tough though. Okay. Yeah. So if you're into this kind of thing, you, you there's, there's there's some quality. Yeah. Here. Oh yeah, definitely. But it's just not for everyone. No. Okay. Cool. 
Um, is there anything else you want to say about it? Should we move on? Uh, we can move on. Thank you. It's very kind of you. <laughs> Downhill was the second film. Oh, Here no. we go. Katie's covering her face. UK <laughs> premiere. UK premiere, guys. Uh, directed by Patricio Valadres. Uh, cast with Natalie Byrne. Katie's favorite actress. Ignacia mm-hmm. Alamande. I can't say any of these words. Just it's try, ridiculous. Stop trying. I gotta try. It's just painful. <laughs> Um, Not as oh, painful white. as this yeah. film, but it's still. It's a Chilean painful. film, 85 minutes long, from the director of the hugely controversial Hidden in the Woods. Uh, comes a new supernatural shocker. BMX Bandits meets HP Lovecraft. <laughs> what? I know. It doesn't fucking um, make any sense. After his best friend dies in a racing accident, retired biker star Joe agrees to get back on two wheels for an exhibition contest. On a test run with his girlfriend Stephanie, they stumble upon a badly injured man dying from a mysterious virus, and they become the target of a group of relentless killers ready to do anything to keep their demonic sect a secret from the rest of the world. Yeah. Lots of signs. <laughs> it's really... So here's the thing. If you're listening to this, and even if you're a horror fan, if you haven't been to a festival like this, it's hard to explain <laughs> the Just levels of filmmaking can be. you can get. Um, we talked uh, on our previous podcast uh, up until this point Blood Feast was the worst movie uh, me and Katie walked out of it mm-hmm. this is 100% a film I would have walked out of You can so it looks it starts with GoPro cameras and I thought oh it's going to be found footage I didn't realise that about it and horrible painful dialogue that's improvised clearly um, and and you can tell because there's long awkward pauses where they don't know what to say and then they sort of mm. try and fill in but then it goes to regular filming I think but this is so bad, you can't tell with this film when it's regular filming and when it's like in GoPro cameras or anything like that. It's so cobbled together. Yeah. Um, I was genuinely surprised when you finally get to the virus that it, you know, just looked like bad makeup rather than... Like, that was probably the best thing about the movie was that the virus almost looked passable mm. as a virus. Like, the makeup effect was okay. Yeah. Um, but this is a fucking awful movie. Awful movie. Katie, you have anything to say about this one? Uh, <laughs> it was just, it was just fucking terrible. Just like deplorable acting. Nobody could act in this film. No. Least favorite actress. Actually, you know what? Least favorite actress. Your least favorite. Do you know what? The <laughs> easiest way to, to explain this film is they came down. You actually had a whole bunch of the cast there. Pretty much all of them. Uh, the director, the writer, I think as well. The lead actress in this movie, Tamro, came out on stage. In and a see-through dress. She's all dressed. Like, no, but had, it's fine. She's no judging. She's all dressed up. I do judge her. She couldn't even walk in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> just calm down. I know you're in some film and you're really excited, but that doesn't mean you have to dress she was up not, like you're going to work point. a poll later that night. She did. She was not excited. She was excited. She was not because she came down and she at first she said bubbly I'd... she was like a unicorn had given birth to her it was like ridiculous <laughs> I don't think she was at all she and she like was she not, was... certainly not excited because she came down and she said that everyone's introducing the movie trying to explain it and be all passionate and she actually said mm. I like coming to Fright Fest because she's been before with she's sirens. not saying this seriously though she's saying this like ooh, 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 in a was, very annoying way she, she needed to t- get punched let me get to the end of my fucking sentence. No, because you're being too nice to her. <laughs> no, I'm not being too nice to her. This is, if you let me get it out, she said, I like coming to Fright Fest because people don't judge my acting too mm. much. 
Yeah. And, and Interesting then, comment. Which could you could take it as a joke. <laughs> then just as everyone's leaving stage for the film to start, she says again to everyone, remember, don't judge too hard. My acting. And it walks off. That is not someone who's excited about the movie that they're about to scream. That is yeah. someone who knows what they did. No, mm-hmm. she didn't. And she just, but she, she just didn't really didn't. care. Because she thought, oh, I'm at a horror festival. Who cares? I can do what I want. And it doesn't matter if I'm bad. Um, she was awful. Every single person so in this movie was ingratiatingly awful. She was mm-hmm. the worst. I don't know if she was the worst, but she was, she was the just worst. the most prominent as a character. So you noticed. Natalie someone. Byrne, you were the worst. <laughs> worst thing about this film. Um, there's a bit at the beginning where they have this really horribly awkward sex tape moment where her boyfriend's filming her and they're ad-libbing dialogue and it's so oh, painful. Yeah. And she starts to sort of strip sort of slowly. It's where she, re- and she has realizes a t-shirt. that guy is probably gay she has a t-shirt has on that says reaction. three times meow 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 and he gets to the end of this scene and she looks at camera winks awkwardly and says meow <laughs> and it's clearly not scripted at all it's just like all she can think of because she put a t-shirt on that day that said meow 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 there's a bit later when she kisses her boyfriend on the lips and he literally pulls away from her physically and then spends the rest of the scene in a single shot wiping his mouth <laughs> to get it off him yeah. It's so fucking funny. Um, this film is actually almost so bad that it's worth seeing a few minutes of it because you need to like appreciate how bad movies can get. But a real question, and this is where it gets fun with the rest of the festival, is mm-hmm. how does it, you know, which one is the worst? It's Blood Feast or Downhill, Chris? And um, you're the only one who saw all of these, like both of them. We didn't get through Blood Feast. Uh, in terms of dialogue, Blood Feast was actually much worse. Much worse. It, it got to the point where every line was getting a laugh, but because it was just so bad. Okay. Um, but, but is that then but more enjoyable? But Blood Feast, I think, knew that it was no. being that way. No, no, no. It was no. a remake. Yeah, so? I don't know. I don't think that actor or that director was taking himself seriously. I mean, you saw him, and I saw his interview later on, and no, he just seemed like he was like, I wanted to make like a fun, gory but that's, remake. Yeah, but fun is not bad. These people were serious about what they were doing. That director and those actors she were wasn't. there today. Like they kept coming back. Oh, yeah. They were very impressed with themselves for being in this festival the with this piece of trash. And... This was a terrible fucking film. It is a terrible I film. I could have oh, made yeah. a better film than this. And yeah. I've never Definitely. done anything in film before. <laughs> Chris, which is the worst film? It's insulting. I really don't know. Uh... They're both bad for different reasons. Okay. That's, no. that's <laughs> Equally the bad then. Scores? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Katie? Give it a zero. Uh, I put on Twitter, wow, a completely new logo. would have got a point five if the girl would have like got her face blown off or something. <laughs> I thought, wow, a completely new low bar has been set for the festival, but at least laughably low, quite astonishing. No. And I had the most amount of replies on my Twitter feed over the weekend really? to that one of people going, yep, <laughs> the fucking worst Good. film I've ever seen. Just the yeah. fucking worst. Um, just embarrassingly bad. Uh, yeah. I don't really know how to give it anything more. Why would you than come back today? Like, um, I just I don't understand. They wanted to see the other films. They, they, were, they, they were out here. in the main area every time I saw them. Well, it's because you've seen them between films. No. They just... Chris, um, Yeah, I'll just go for zero as well. Excellent. So nothing to score. <laughs> um, the next film, War... Or, 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 Johnny Frank Garrett's Last Word. 
oh, which yeah. has a really bad title, but when you hear the story of it, it's a necessary title. Right. Uh, so this is from Simon Rumley, who's actually a decent director. He did The Living and the Dead 10 years ago at Fright Fest, which I didn't like. He did a film called Red, White, Blue about maybe six years ago at Fright Fest, which I did like. Uh, so I wasn't sure which way this was going to go. Um, in 1992, this is a true story. In 1992, the state of Texas executed Johnny Frank Garrett for the rape murder of a nun. Some believed he was innocent. Others felt that given his mental illness, the death penalty was unjust. At his execution, a decade later, a bitter Johnny cast a curse on those who convicted him. And almost immediately, premature deaths of those involved started happening. Was it coincidence or was it a supernatural revenge from beyond the grave? Um... So the director came down, he explained he was a director for hire on this one. It was the first film I think he'd done where he hadn't written it. Um, and he literally sort of just came in to shoot it. And that was it. So and he seemed to be a little bit, he had some problems definitely with elements of the script. Yeah. But he was you know, there to do a job. Um, yeah, it is based on a true story, but I'm using inverted commas there when I say that. Because the central characters were made up for the mm -hmm. film to give some context to things. Mm -hmm. The events that happened around them are as close as possible, he kept saying. Uh, which I don't agree with because I think as close as possible is you do what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of liberties taken here with making mm -hmm. things seem more spooky, more supernatural, scenes yeah. that no one was around to actually see what happened so there couldn't be documentation mm -hmm. of them. No. But let's, let's first of all, let's judge it as a film before mm -hmm. we get into, you know, how that works as a true story or not. Uh, did you guys like it at all? Yeah, I thought it was all right. <laughs> the director, like, I think the director led you into it, um... He gave it a lot more austerity uh, by his introduction because, uh, you know, it doesn't do the the procedural thing of like, this, these are ba this is based on a true story sort of intro at the beginning. So without mm. him, I don't think I would have, I would have judged it very differently because you don't know yeah. from just watching it that it's an actual real event that happens. Well, you get it at the end, but nowadays you're so used to being conned on you with with because it comes up at the end telling you the history what right. actually happened but at the beginning you i mean you could have watched the entire film yeah not really knowing yeah, that yeah, yeah. you know these things actually occurred and a yeah. lot of the people involved are still alive as well the right. family of the person so a lot of reason it was they want to get the word out of his name even if he's never properly vindicated in the court of law in texas they wanted this film to at least be some sort of testament there's a documentary as well apparently called just the last word isn't it i think he was yeah. saying yeah he said um, it was like very like which yeah, it was sort of hard to get a hold of though yeah, yeah. but he said you can get on some streaming sites yeah. if you google it so that's part of the reason it's got this ridiculous title of johnny frank garrett's the last yeah. word yeah um chris do you like it yeah i liked it um I kind of would have liked it to have been more based on the true story. Because mm -hmm. um, when you look at the credits afterwards, it had a long list of names of all these people who um, passed away yeah, in yeah, the yeah. time afterwards. And like, if they focused more on true stuff, I would have had more of an impact from it, I think. Yeah, I, I thought as a movie, it was well made. The guy has some good stylish elements. There's some interesting editing mm -hmm. in here, which went with the sound design and I thought was kind of cool and bold. Yeah. And I thought it was a solid film, uh, particularly in the context of the festival, it was a solid film. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't very interesting as a movie as a whole. It was kind of just, well, it's fine. The premise um, is pretty cool, though. Yeah, the, the, my yeah. problem is, though, is I, I genuinely feel I have a personal problem with films yeah. based on real life tragedies, particularly ones that are still going on. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea of, well, we want to get his name out and vindicate him a little bit. That's great. But then present the facts. Dude, yeah. um, so for me, a film like Zodiac is one of the only responsible ways to make a movie about a serial killer. Because yeah. they just give you the facts and they kind of do it at arm's length and they let you put it together and decide. It's not too agenda driven. 
um, this one with all the spooky things that they do in this of making it a supernatural film but based on real life murders there I actually find it leaps made yeah I find it actually irresponsible filmmaking yeah, yeah it takes um, away from it. it yeah it takes away from the main story it clouds stuff it's manipulative um, and I don't think it's a responsible way to tell this story so mm-hmm. I kind of have personal problems with it like that mm-hmm. yeah but if you like that kind of thing it's fine I think it's a decent movie definitely you know has a clearer vision behind it than most of the films we saw mm-hmm. yeah and i like the poster a lot yeah the poster's mm. cool um so i would probably give it a what do i need to give it more than i'd give it a 5.5 probably maybe a six no i give it 5. a six 5. yep six i've given everything slightly less than you guys I, I would give it a six if you look at it as like a scary movie i don't think that i would mm. give it a six if you were looking at it as like a you know a yeah. biography or something yeah, yeah. because yeah I, I did find it a little bit insulting from a storytelling point of view because mm-hmm. there were a lot of liberties taken with it then we're going to our two uh, last movies of Sunday the European premiere of Real Live uh, directed by Matteo Gill um, has this person done anything before I'm not sure uh, with Tom mm-hmm. Hughes Charlotte Le Bon uh, Una Chaplin Barry Ward mm-hmm. it's a Spanish French film um, oh, he was the screenwriter for those other films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if he's directed anything before there, but yeah, he's he is the the director is the screenwriter of Vanilla Sky and also The Sea Inside, and he directed Blackthorn. Um, so they say here it, it's a provocative reflection on immortality, where the emphasis rests on the emotional and psychological ramifications of reanimating the dead seventy years after being diagnosed with terminal cancer. Uh, sorry. No, I ran into the next sentence. 70 years after being diagnosed with terminal cancer, Mark becomes the first resuscitated cryogenic body in history as part of Project Lazarus. But readjusting to life as a human lab rat is in an alien and antiseptic future proves difficult. And the idyllic existence he dreamed of before dying seems unattainable in this modern and heartfelt spin. On Frankenstein, we had a modern Frankenstein last year mm-hmm. as well, which I didn't like very much. <laughs> did I like this one more? Chris? Yeah, I did. You like this one? Um, yeah, I think I agree with... Uh, we discussed this yesterday, and I agree with that it would work better as a short film. Um, it wouldn't have worked well if they had just based it in the future. Um, actually having all these flashbacks and seeing his actual memories and his uh, all the emotions of... Uh, suicide and that that side yeah I I, I really enjoyed it I think um, it was long <laughs> which yeah. is uh, that was the, the issue I had really it just it dragged on for a lot longer than it should have okay, okay. yeah uh, what's it? I didn't really like it um, I don't really um, care for the Frankenstein remakes of things. Mm. Um, I think it's a story told again and again and again. And even though this one did it with some, you know, pretty flashbacks, I didn't find the character interesting. I didn't really find his life very interesting. I found, well, I shouldn't say that. I found elements of some of his life interesting, but they didn't really dwell on that. They just dwelt on this, you know, like only remembering the nice parts of his relationship with this girl and calling that, you know, the love of his life when they didn't really have much of a life together. If you really thought about it, they just slept with each other on and Mm. on again, off again for a couple of years. And then she decided she wanted to be with him when she found out he had cancer. And so 
and they didn't even spend the entirety of that year together. So, I mean, all in all, they had like at less than a year of a, re- well, maybe a year of a relationship. No, but that's the point. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to jump in because that's the whole point of it is that they met each other when they were, what, they might have been 16 or 17 or something. And by this point, they're in their late, late 20s, like 28, 29. I think she says she is 29 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you're meant to have these 12 years. Like, it's, no, they don't have to be together to get all the time to have a relationship. But the whole point mm-hmm. is they were constantly in each other's lives, constantly in love with each other, but always at the wrong points and always kind of either feeling jealous or feeling like they wanted to kind of punish the other one for the time like last time you kind of shunned me and I was hurt mm. by that and then I became obsessed with you and that's you just such immature me. mentality though that I didn't expect it or believe it from people that were as old as they were at those times I think that's completely no but by the time you get to them they're actually way more settled but the yes. history of it is like that and I think that's very believable in a lot of people I think I that's one of my favorite things about the film I just, I just, yeah, I didn't really care for it. I didn't like the picture they painted, like, or how they constructed the future. They, they, you just keep seeing these futuristic ideals that just have tiny tweaks on the present day, and they all look the same. They all look like these incubated sets that, you know, the women just have, like, more modern-looking hairstyles, and they just have, like, slight additions to their wardrobes or like they it's just all more minimalistic and that's all the only feature that anyone ever portrays and it just felt like a story already told i thought there were some nice nods in it but i i kept i just didn't really it didn't speak to me yeah so i felt like uh it's one of those very weird films i sometimes come across in my life which is quite rare where my actual score for this is going to be lower than how much it affected me this was a film that really affected me uh, really I had an emotional connection to. I loved the things it was talking about. I loved the philosophical musings. Like, kind of the same way I felt about Vanilla Sky. I mean, Vanilla Sky weirdly didn't affect me as much. I love the stuff Vanilla Sky is talking about and the philosophical, emotional things it's discussing. And the writer is smart enough not to come to conclusions about stuff. He does just throw a lot of things in the air. Um, but it's a very uneven film. Like, there's a lot of the writing's very bad in it. Um, the actual dialogue can be very bad in places and very beautiful in other places which I didn't struggle with um, I didn't like it's kind of 50% the past and 50% in the present future yeah um, and I didn't like the design of the future I didn't like how it was shot in the future I didn't like mm. the tackiness of a lot of the tech in the future yeah. um, but then whenever we went to the past I loved it it was kind of like everything I enjoy about Terrence Malick it was just snapshots of people's lives not enough sad moments from their lives or sort of angry moments, but um, a lot of peaceful moments and little tiny moments of relationships with different people. Yeah. And, and the music was spectacular in this film. I thought it was wonderful mm. music. And it, it just gave me the, yeah, the feeling I always want from a Terrence Malick film. So it was kind of weird because there were these moments in it and what it was discussing, which was actually very animated. They were talking about a lot of stuff like Ghost in the Shell and things mm. like that talk about, but in a much more poetic and interesting, engaging way for me because they boiled it down to relationships between people and the frustrations of those things um and it really resonated with me very heavily and it's one i definitely want to go back to and i think i'll be increasingly frustrated that a chunk of this movie really doesn't work for me yeah uh, because the stuff i like in this i love Mm. Uh, the stuff in this i would you know give a nine out of ten to and the stuff in this i would give a four out of ten to yeah um the poster for instance is awful and the byline is awful yeah. i don't like the name real life and i hate modern versions of old things most of the time not all the time 
but Frankenstein, I'm kind of like, I don't need to see. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but luckily, they stray away from that a lot. For the majority, they don't really hammer it at home after the initial setup. Um, so yeah, I really, really loved this film despite not being able to give it a hugely high score. Yeah. Which is kind of contradictory. <laughs> so I'm going to give this. Uh, oh, fuck. It's really painful for me. I think I have to give it like a seven point five. But it affected me like a 9 out of 10 film when it hit those marks that I like. Um, so I don't know, 7.5 or an 8 for me. Yep, um, I'm going to go 8. I went 5.5. 5.5. And then we had the UK premiere. It was our closing film of Sunday of Rob Zombie's 31, a film that through all its marketing, I didn't understand why it was called 31. Watching the film, getting out of it, I was so happy. <laughs> Some of us were still confused as to why it was called 31. No idea. Because it takes place on Halloween, uh, 31st of October. Directed by Rob Zombie, written by Rob Zombie, and of course starring his wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, as well as Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange and the Halloween remakes, Richard Brake and Torsten Forge and Meg Foster. Uh, USA film, of course. About as USA as they come. America! Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, Richard yeah. Brake. Richard Brake was the only one to turn up. Um, did Rob Zombie do a video intro for this? Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. Um, all of his hair. Richard Brake seemed great. Uh, seemed like a nice guy. He was so nice. And then it was so interesting to see his role after he was like, uh, the, I need the mic because this is as loud as I talk. Like, yeah, he's just this very really quiet. unassuming, quiet person. You can imagine him and Rob Zombie like being just oh quiet God. on set to yeah. each other. Well, he was talking about how interesting it was to like talk with Rob Zombie, who just wants to talk about like being a vegan. And yeah. like, he's like, he's just not that person. <laughs> I remember the stories when Rob Zombie first started making movies, and his first one was House of a Thousand Corpses. And apparently, he wasn't talking to, to actors, he was too shy to. So he Aww. would kind of be at the back of the set, talk to someone who would then have to go and explain to the actors, which explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> about the quality of acting on his films um, anyway this one a camper van of carnival workers are kidnapped in the middle of nowhere by a trio of, con- of debauched decadents set loose in a derelict factory compound full of creepy passages containing nasty traps the abductors led by father murder place bets on who will survive the longest in a 12 hour period of pain and maim against an array of sadistic clowns with such clear cut nicknames as psycho head sick head death head and sex head Tamara's interested in this one, I see. <laughs> uh, this is a Rob Zombie movie. So, Katie, this is your first full Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. You've seen a bit of his Halloween reboot, and that's yeah. it. Uh, Chris, what have you seen from Rob before? I don't know. Nothing? Name some titles. House of Thousand Corpses? Nope. The Devil's Rejects? Nope. Which is a sort of sequel to House of Well, it is a sequel, but in a different genre. Uh, the, what's it called? The Lords of Salem? Nope. The two Halloween reboots? Nope. Then you probably ain't. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so it's your, both your first Rob Zombie film. So I'm interested because yeah. I'm. A, I've seen all of his films. I used to be a huge fan of his, and then I kind of went off, uh, off him. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about Thirty One as your first Rob Zombie film? I know you were dreading this one, Katie, a little bit. I, think, I, I think dread is strong. Um, I I think I leaned over to you and I just said, you know, I don't. I'm not really looking forward to it because, um, just from the poster, from uh, the I think we watched a trailer for it yeah. a couple of days before the festival, and to me, it just it kind of spoke to me in the way that horror used to talk to me at least like what I how if you would have said like do you like horror movies I would have said no because films like this would have sprang into my mind as like those like really dirty trashy um just kind of like slashery but not in a good way like not in a creative way sort of Mm -hmm. thing like these dark 
things um, that I don't really find especially alluring. So that, like, to me, still to this day, like, the one film that always stands out to me is, um, like, uh, what's it? I can't think of the name of it. Which one? The, oh, The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, yeah. Like, the that just sort of, like... Do about the remake, yeah. Yeah, the remake. Um, or, like, the Saw films and stuff. Like, that total blood porn, just mm-hmm. no, not, well, like, nonsense cool. And, yeah, just that yeah. really trashy, I guess, is the yeah. word that keeps bringing to mind. So that was the reason I wasn't really looking forward to this. Even though, yes, it's, like, a horror-based festival and everything. Just, these are my, my least favorite horror films. Um, but that being said this wasn't that for me at all this one had a semi-vision like he had an idea of a world i think um i liked the assailants a lot i thought they were interesting and fun and i liked i like carnival based horror a lot um and i thought they didn't go like the typical even though it was like the majority of it was like clown based but they they weren't like your typical like bozo clowns no, which no. I thought was fun. I, I, yeah. So you were pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I really was. Okay. Christopher, how did you? Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'd like to see more of that kind of stuff. Um, well, you're in luck because yeah, there is more where that came from. For good. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the main characters I wasn't really that much of a fan of. I, I preferred the, um, the, the villains. Yeah. They were more fun to get to know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. I like to see more. You want to see more? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm. So Rob Zombie's uh, very openly talked about. He's just his favorite film. I think is Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. I think two. He okay. actually prefers more than one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he definitely wants to emulate two a lot, which is this schlocky, hillbilly, carnival, sleazy, trashy dirty grimy kind mm. of world yeah. which yeah i don't like at all i'm i'm same as you like that for me was always in my head what horror was and yeah. i don't like that style of horror and to this day the texas chainsaw massacre series is still one i don't enjoy um the, the remake actually has some good stuff but that's yeah. much cleaner um and i'm kind of dreading the point we have to get to it with our series retrospectives that we're doing <laughs> um but so, yeah, so I was always surprised when I first saw uh, Rob Zombie's first movie and he actually came to Fright Fest many, many years ago, House Thousand Corpses. I really enjoyed it. And it was all of those things, but it was a day glow kind of LSD acid trip of a mm-hmm. weird like film with lots mm-hmm. of ideas that didn't really work, um, but actually genuinely gave me a sense of dread and just nastiness, but without actually yeah. being too explicit either. Because Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, it was, it was banned for mood. That's what it was banned for, because there's not really much violence in Texas no. Chainsaw Massacre 1. Mm. Yeah. It was banned for its mood. Um, wow. And he wants to do the same kind of thing, and I respect that. Unfortunately, he's never been able to write for shit. Like, right. he, he can't write nice characters. They're yeah. all horrible, Dialogue deplorable characters. Dialogue, yeah, for the most part, is dreadful. Yeah. Um, but I liked House of Thousand Corpses. Devil's Rejects is definitely still his best film. Um, and I kind of I like his Halloween remakes in part... But we rewatched the first one recently, and the dialogue was horrible. Which but one? The Halloween remake. Oh yeah. Uh, but when you get to the killings, he's very good at style, like very good at style, yeah. and very good at bold kind of yet yeah, vision for certain things. Um, so I was kind of excited for this one because I can love Rob Zombie. I'm so sick of his wife being the lead in his movies. I think she's dreadful. I think she's absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Yeah. You know, in a room full of bad actors, and she's yeah. just mm-hmm. the worst. She has cool hair though. Um, yeah. 
What was the guy called? Who, Richard like, Brake. The, the one who opened it. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to him in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, But this film is the closest to House of a Thousand Corpses that he's done since it. And for me, in my mind, it's not just nowhere near as good as House of a Thousand Corpses. It is more coherent, I guess, but it's more mm. dull as mm. well. Like, I, okay. I really got bored of the the setting. Just really yeah. found dull. Um, but yeah, there was some entertainment here for sure. Um I thought it was, you know, if, you, if you're a Rob Zombie fan, then you're going to enjoy this movie. I don't think it's... He, he said in his intro, he thought it was his best movie. Yeah. I think it's well, actually... Well, he said it was his favourite. Yeah. I actually think, I think it's, it's his probably worst... probably just because it's the closest project to him at the moment. Yeah. I think yeah. it's his worst movie. Um, I really do. Uh, but not by a huge margin or anything. If you like Rob Zombie movies, you'll like 31. Um, I'm just kind of sick of what he's doing now. I've seen it too many times and he's done right. it better. The one exception is Richard Brake, who, yeah, came to the screening... Who plays the main um, villain, Doomhead? Yeah, he was spectacular. Yeah, he he was sincerely incredible. He comes in and does the opening scene, which really blew me away. The opening scene I thought was great, kind of had a Tarantino feel to it. Yeah, Mm. Um, and he doesn't blink. Did you see him? I was like waiting, like when are you going to blink? And he doesn't blink for ages. Focus. And he's doing this diatribe, and I literally I started playing the game of oh shit, he hasn't blinked. Maybe can I not blink? And I was trying (laughs) without even talking, and I couldn't do it. Um, and he gives so much vitriol at right to camera. It's very stylish, very cool opening. And uh, sadly, he's not in the movie enough because yeah. when he does come back again later, he just owns the film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, probably that's why he he can't really be on the screen with anyone else because he's just gonna trounce them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And he's such a he's such a slight figure yeah. of a man. Yeah. Well, he's like got this like just really ominous Ichabod Crane thing happening. Like mm. he's got this kind of like old school war yeah. coat on and he just looks like yeah i think he, if he you was came still... up to him in battle i would freak the fuck out <laughs> like he just looks so over intense and it's just, yeah um, he's he, very he, scary i think he was still my favorite performance of the festival um, yeah yeah like, i think so he really kind of owned it for me I would do an honorable mention for the person who did sex head though. That little <laughs> person that. lady was Dolly so adorable. I just yeah. wanted her and the like Nazi little man to just have their own show because they were fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I will say if you watched this film and you liked it, go and see House of Thousand Corpses. Okay. For sure. Okay, um, okay scores? Seven. Seven for Katie. I will go 7.5. I'm going to give it a 6.5, I think. Um, and then we're into our last day, which was today. Last oh my God, day. has it been a long day? It is two in the morning right now. I believe uh, that this was today. This was today. We started the day, or I should say Chris and the rest of our team did, because yet again, we missed the morning yeah. movie uh, with Director's <sighs> Cut, which yeah. again was apparently a good one. It's a European premiere. Directed by Adam Rifkin, uh, cast was Missy Pyle, Penn Gillette, Harry <laughs> Hamlin, a bunch of other people. Very interesting. Go watch the trailer for this because the trailer for this legitimately starts like it's it's a very meta or postmodern movie. Yeah. It's kind of within itself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it says here that it's the the most it's the cleverest, funniest, sharpest, most meta horror ever. Uh, Watching gleeful shock as delusional crowd funder Herbert Blount Blunt. How do you say his name? Blount. Uh, Blount. Blount. Uh, who's played by Penn of Penn and Teller, creates his own director's cut out of a film called Knocked Off, 
which is the Adam Rifkin crime thriller you never saw. By recutting, splicing newly shot amateur scenes into the narrative with kidnap star Missy Pyle, making up another plot and commenting on other actors and scenes in voiceover, <laughs> the madman thinks he's creating a unique masterpiece, which director Rifkin has with this stunning tour de force. Yeah, I watched the trailer for this last night. It looked fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, this is either brilliant or awful. And I yeah, I, I thought it was great. Yeah? Yeah, it was, um, everyone was laughing, which is a very good sign. Um, it, it's just, as it's going, it's, it kind of plays as, like the movie is playing in the background and he's just doing his commentary over the top. And he's got always like a marker or a pen, so he's like circling bits that you went to look at and stuff. It's really funny. And he's like cutting his face into scenes, isn't he? And stuff and like towards the end, when in. it gets creepier with uh, his kidnapping uh, the lead actress, <laughs> he starts like actually putting himself into the scenes, and it's so funny. I think everyone seemed to enjoy this film, didn't they? Like, like um, Tom said, he thought it was uneven or not thought out, but he really enjoyed it still. Yeah, I think it was a nice morning film to wake everyone up. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so what did you give it, Chris? Um, I will go eight. An eight. Yep. So we should definitely check out the Master Cleanse and Director's Cut. Yeah. One, two, so basically the two that we missed. Well, we also missed uh, Broken. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, I'm saying from the ones we missed, we should right. definitely. Um, then we moved on to. The Windmill Massacre. Yay! And Katie turned up for this. Uh, it was the <laughs> world <laughs> premiere. Uh, it's also a film. We have to give this up front. It's a film starring the man in the room who's my business partner and dear friend, Tamaro Ishida. Ishida! <laughs> who every now and then makes a noise in the background. Geeks. <laughs> uh, so yeah, all up front, we do know someone who's in the cast in this. We got to meet um, the director afterwards. He seemed like a lovely, lovely man. Yeah. Nice. Um, so we could be biased. Take that as it is. Uh, I'm going to try and be as blunt as I possibly can, though, um, because I, I think I'm pretty good. Tamara's been in enough films and some other friends have been in enough films. I feel I'm pretty objective about them. I don't get too like caught yeah, up with Your opinion stuff. isn't very swayed by things. Um, directed by Nick. How do you say his name, Tamara? Youngarius? Youngarius, I'm going to say. Tamara's not giving me any help. He's just like letting me drown here. Uh, <laughs> with the cast was Noah Taylor, Charlotte Beaumont, Patrick Baladi, uh, Tamro Ishida, Fiona Hampton, and Ben Bat. This is a film from the Netherlands uh, at a quick 85 minutes long. Uh, a group of unsuspecting tourists awaken a mysterious evil whilst on a trip through the Dutch countryside in a nostalgia-tinned shocker from the Frankenstein's army creative team. Friday the 13th goes amicus when a, cou a couch party, a coach party embark on a tour of Holland's windmills. When a bus breaks down, strangers are forced to seek shelter in a disused barn beside a sinister windmill where, legend has it, a devil-worshipping miller once ground the bones of locals instead of grain. As members of the group start disappearing, secrets are revealed that seem to mark them all for doom. Doom! So, sincerely, taking Tamara out of the equation for a minute... I was excited about this one because it's a fucking slasher film and I yeah, love slasher I films. And it's been a long time. Like this festival, there have been no slasher films. They're not really in vogue right now, so you don't get many of them anyway for the last few years. No, they're so good. And mm. I, used to, I used to be obsessed with slasher films, so I also have to give that as a disclaimer. I used to watch every straight-to-DVD one, so I do have good context of where these things come. Uh, but it does also mean, obviously, I have a predilection for it. If you don't, then you're not going to like most slasher films because yeah. they do follow a certain formula. Yeah. This one does have an interesting twist on it, um, which we'll get into. 
Uh, but recently, right now, I'm actually going back to a lot of slashers that I've seen and a lot that I missed because I'm making a list of my top slasher films ever mm-hmm. made. Uh, so I'm, I'm really actually seeing this at the right time because it's a good context yeah. for everything I'm going on with. Uh, the interesting twist with this one is, and I don't want to give too much away about it, but it delves, the characters have potentially a reason for being there and it gives a little bit more to why they're potentially being killed and how they're being killed, um, which I really liked about this. I liked the setup a lot, actually. Um, I liked the context of the characters and how they're uh, built uh, throughout the film. It was detrimental for me with the film in some ways because it meant most of the screen time for the characters had to be about this particular back history each of them had. Right. Uh, which, yeah, gave me something I hadn't had from a slash film, which I liked, but then gave less time to develop them in other ways. Which, right. Which mm. kind of was a bit detrimental. Um, Chris. Mm-hmm. Before we, well, before I say my opinions on the film as a whole, I'm going to start with yeah. you. Okay. So you can feel the weight of Tamara's eyes on your back. Right? Oh, God. No, it's like boring, <laughs> isn't it? Just be honest. Say what you like, what you didn't like. like uh, yeah, I, I actually really like this one. It was good. Um, it was nice to have a slasher, like you said. After we had, we had one slasher well, after last the, year, maybe. Yeah. There's no, there hasn't been any other slasher film this year. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I thought this was awesome. I, I like the villain. I, I like the the idea of. Am I allowed to say what the villain is, or is it already? It says it there, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah so the okay. is coming yeah. for you. It's part so, of the, um, the thing. It's on yeah. the poster. Yeah. I like the they they actually did research into finding uh, an actual something that people do fear and finding that kind of uh, and making windmill scary as well I think that's, cool. that's pretty cool <laughs> it's not that hard they're pretty scary <laughs> well that's something that I, cause I was worried about that to be honest because there's a cultural divide it's like the film Troll Hunter which is an excellent film so good mm, that's really but good but you watch it I remember that screened at Fright Fest people were laughing at a lot of it because the trolls in it aren't scary for us mm. but f- when you come from Norway they're part of your culture and they're yeah. seen as scary. Like trolls are scary. You can't so you tell me that people. even in like an idyllic little Netherland countryside, that you go out in the middle of the night and you hear this like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure it could be, but that's the thing. In my head, it's like I'm not like windmills aren't scary to me. Clogs aren't scary to me. There's a lot of cultural things which seem like I thought maybe I'm gonna have trouble with this stuff. Yeah, but it it was genuinely creepy, and the setting was creepy, and the women they used definitely was creepy. Right, as a very um. The, the villain has a very uh, Jeepers Creepers vibe in that yep. kind of sense of uh, mm-hmm. somebody like see him standing in the trees. Not scary. And you do clearly see him, which is brave. Um, right. and, yeah. he look, and he does look cool. The design is cool. The awesome mm-hmm. design, yeah. Cool weapon as well. It's got a scythe. Yeah. The and a chain. Um, Katie, how are you feeling those? Yeah, I, uh, the, um, the director beforehand, I think it was beforehand, or maybe it was after, he mentioned the fact that like he has... Uh, a long history with uh, his love for horror and but he likes like kind of old school horror and this I think really shows through in this when film. he said old school he meant old old school yeah he so I presumed like he's going oh Friday the 13th no blah, blah, blah. he was like a big like Agatha Christie fan he said yeah. he said his first horror film that he watched which was after like a little bit of bartering with his mom was Psycho so he it's definitely got like this Hitchcockian um, mood that's throughout it doesn't have like quite that like twistiness. But I think you get that Hitchcock. more for the interlocking story with the characters, right? Yeah, because like, the, like the villain and the setting yeah. and the pacing is definitely. But that's what I mean is out. that like mm. it's definitely based in story. Like it's it's not really, uh, 
it's it's more like happenstance that there's a monster in it like it's more about the people and about like the the inner struggle of um like your past versus like you know uh, shame or apologizing or uh, mm. finding guilt with yourself or allowing yourself to to be guilty of something um and admitting that so I, I thought it was really great because it almost has like the classic fairy tale sort of feel to it in mm. that it, it it is based on a tradition of you know you can tell that this is for these people like this is a real a thing for them yeah, yeah exactly and it definitely had this almost like Hansel and gretel thing going on with it where mm. it was like it's not really a question of it happening it's just like yeah that's that's where those things happen like those things definitely were there and it's an older world it does feel like it's building a law for yeah sequels like that's what it feels like in a good way yeah because like i'm always looking for more slasher villains who can persevere for a few films and this is one that could definitely persevere for a few films i think there's plenty Mm. of stuff you could do with this that they didn't get to do in the first one like some um slashers it some of the acting was a little bit overdone um obviously not the japanese guy he was amazing in the hat tamara why do you have this hat hat, the hat was amazing i was so happy the first time you're on screen and you're in this adorable fucking like winter winter with a little ball on the top amazing plus you look 10 years younger you really do you clean shaved it's a scary thing um but yeah so there was like one character in particular uh the dad and it was just like so cliche um yeah, his phone conversations were annoying me off screen. yeah they were really frustrating mm. so, like this deal so there, were, there were definitely some like um low points with it but overall i was really entertained and i like i still love slashers so yeah i genuinely excited I, to have a slasher. i thought it looked great yeah i liked like i say the setup a lot i liked the lore of the the you know, villain a lot yeah. I like the interlocking between the characters. It was way more interesting than most slasher films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, yeah, the dialogue wasn't my favorite for for you know a bunch of scenes, but it's a slasher film. I'm fine with it being that way, kind of thing. You know, it's just fun. Um, my problems really came more into the second half of it. Like, there was a, I wanted a bit more energy, as I always do with slasher films. There was definitely a yeah. turning point, and I can't give it away for spoilers. But there was a turning point where I was like, okay, here's where I needed to kick into another gear and see the remaining people be more proactive mm-hmm. but instead they remained quite defensive um and there's a couple of bits like the director came out and said he wanted to do as much practical as possible which you can definitely tell but there were a couple of cgi bits which i didn't really enjoy um which had a little bit more like effecty stuff going right. on um and i wanted to end a little bit earlier there was like the final kill i actually think is fucking brilliant and i didn't i generally didn't see coming mm-hmm. And I wanted it to end dead there straight away. Yeah. Uh, cut to credits and just leave it open for sequels and stuff. Um, but yeah, was, like, honestly, and I'm not saying this because Tamara's in the room and I feel weird about talking about a film he's in. I really, really enjoyed it. It's not my favorite slasher film ever at all, um, but I thought it was a very solid slasher film. I thought it was doing something new and interesting. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a whole lot of fun and it looked great. Yeah, that's my genuine yep. feelings about it, and I genuinely want to see more of that villain. Like I really do. Yeah, um, I thought there's a lot of cool stuff they could do with him, and I hope that they do. Tanro, you're not allowed to say if they're talking about sequels. I'm guessing. Uh, they talk. Um, they talked about it in the Q and A's, uh, and uh, the writer th- says this is what it is. Right. But the uh, director's keeping the. Option open, so cool. cool. Never know. 
I genuinely want. I want to see the same director do a sequel. I really do because I feel like I feel like Jeepers Creepers is a lot you could do with the, the, the next one and like take it to a new sort of a different place. Yeah. Um, so scores then. I gave it a seven. Yeah, I gave it a seven as well. Christopher. Uh, yeah, I agree. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Um, then we had the world premiere of a film called Monolith. Oh yeah. It oh yeah. No monolith in it. Mm. Uh, did you get to see any of this, Tamara? As you were going for screening to no. screen? No. Uh, it's directed by Ivan Silvestrini, uh, with Katrina Bowden, basically just Katrina Bowden. <laughs> it's pretty much a one-lady show for the yeah. whole film. Um, Sandra is test driving her new car through the desert. It's the high-tech, computer-controlled, sci-fi, sleek, safest SUV ever created, called the Monolith. Then a call casts suspicion on her philandering husband and she heads home to Los Angeles with her two-year-old child, Daniel, strapped into the back seat playing games on her smartphone. When she hits a deer in the road, which should not be there because she's in fucking Utah, and checks for damage, Daniel accidentally touches the mobile app, locking her outside and trapping him inside the impenetrable vehicle. Fasten your seatbelts for a nerve-shredding suspense ride. I, what it says right here. I now remember where I know this girl from. What from? She's from uh, what's it? Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh god, oh. of course She's it is. Girl, it was bugging the shit out of me. She's when great I was in that. This. Film. She's great in that. Yeah. But oh, I think it's because she gets to play. She's also in Piranha 3DD. She's <laughs> probably great in that too. So good, good film. Can see where her abilities lie. Uh, <laughs> I was not looking forward to this film. Everyone else... I, I was baffled because before we went into it, people seemed to be excited about this movie. I didn't understand why the idea for me of a fucking great... A, a child gets trapped inside a mm. tacky, high-tech vehicle did not seem interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but some people in our groups were excited. I don't think... We didn't get to have a full conversation about this, but I don't think anyone came out happy. No. No? no. <laughs> it's, it was done well, but... Yeah, this is a slickly made film, to be fair. Uh, probably wouldn't cost that much, though, because it's all in the desert in Utah, where it was shot. Um, the director, to be fair, I think he does as good as you could do. But this is a script that, for me, you read it, and you go, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dumb. Uh, the dialogue was awful. The setup made no sense. The character just does stupid decisions. She's an just awful mother. <laughs> awful mother right just from the beginning. fucking there. You just can't like her at no. all. And then she continues to make bad decisions yeah. the whole fucking time yeah. um she there's a very easy way again i don't want to spoil too much because this is a movie some people might derive some enjoyment out of it because we checked on the twitters and some people did really like it um but there's a very easy way out of this situation right from the beginning that is to do with location and how far away from certain things she is so mm -hmm. just pay attention to the dialogue at the beginning um and instead they just run her in circles purposely making dumb decisions getting yeah. high getting drunk uh sleeping yeah. Um, and then eventually coming to a conclusion which again I won't spoil but it was so stupid uh, with unfortunately a very tacky CGI ending yeah I didn't like this film at all I really didn't I mean I could watch it because it was made well enough you know yeah um, but when you're just with one character on screen for the whole film and the characters are unlikable on a base level as this one was I just yeah that's your whole film done like it really yeah. is and that's a writing problem for me with this film yeah yeah agreed no, nothing else to <laughs> no I mean there's there was nothing to this movie there's no reason for this film to exist there really yeah. wasn't it wasn't saying anything no it was just 
basically showing that people can be shitty to their kids. Yeah. And I already knew that. And I didn't need to see like a four-year-old or a three-year-old have yeah. to go through that for whatever it was. But that is a problem because I don't know if you're meant to be empathetic with it. Because for me, it's just from the beginning, oh, okay, they're selling her as an awful mother. Because every decision she makes is yeah. bad. Yeah. And she's just constantly just like, just play with the phone, play with the game, play with shut the game. Up. Just shut up. Shut up. Uh, and then she just, and as soon as the kid gets locked in accidentally, she's like nice to him for a second. And, and then, then she starts like going, banging do the fucking the thing. thing, do the thing, like swipe the mm. thing. And then it doesn't swipe it. And then she shouts at the kid. And you're like, yeah. it's been two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and you're already shouting at your kid. It was just, oh. It was awful. Deplorable person. Um, okay. We have nothing else to say about Marla. What yeah. scores have we given it? I gave it a two. Only because I've had a cute kid. The kid is very cute. He's so cute. And then the part where he's crying, he's like, I'll get the phone, I'll get the phone. I was like, come the fuck on. <laughs> this um, is so sad. I'm giving it a three because it's it's stylish. There's one scene I liked on a plane, which was pointless. Pointless scene. That plane. Yeah. Uh, but I liked the, the, worst. the feel of it. And some people seem to be liking this. So, you know, if you like this kind of shit, sure. If you like seeing a black car with hubcaps. You need to reassess your life choices. <laughs> Chris? Um, I'll go 3.5 Into our final two films Of the festival guys We had the European premiere of a film called Red Christmas We tend to get a lot of Christmas horror films at Fright Fest Some are good, some are bad Last year it was a closing film A Christmas story, a big glossy movie Um, This one's directed by Craig Anderson I didn't really know anything about this film But it's Australian uh, what does it say here? It says Australian comic actor, director Craig Anderson. Um, yeah, sorry, did it? Uh, Matriarch Diane has invited her adult children to celebrate one last Christmas in their family home before she sells up and heads to Europe. Amid all the celebrations and domestic dramas, a mysterious stranger calls. Disfigured and cloaked, they invite him in until his extreme religious motives and anti-abortion message launches a roller coaster of splatter and unearths shattering secrets. Oh, then it says here with a silent night setting, Suspiria style technicolors and socio-political underpinnings. This is one hell of a Christmas cracker. I don't know what to expect. Mm. I did not expect what we got given. Mm. I was presuming, oh, we're gonna get it's gonna be some fun, glossy or you know, actually really dark, nasty Christmas film. Yeah. This was Try to be both. This is about as cheap as any film, even as Downhill. Yeah. Like, Downhill's makeup effects arguably cost more money than this film. Not yeah. saying it was as bad as Downhill, but just saying in terms of production value. There was one house, just a bunch of people in it. The robe figure was ridiculous. And when oh, you yeah. do finally see the creature's face for a <laughs> yeah. second, it was just some dumb mask. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is like, be, be warned, this is as cheap as you can get. I think with this film to be honest and i was expecting in our last double bill something trod on some super dark points but it was like not taking them seriously so it was almost like you were being disrespectful to some very key things in human nature and it was just like really you didn't know how to take it because you just felt bad about laughing at it the cast weren't there for but this it wasn't one, weren't they? Scared. What? Were the cast there for this or anyone? No. No. Because I genuinely, I wanted to ask a question with this one because I couldn't tell. Said Craig Anderson was going to come, but he's very busy. Okay. That's all they said. Um, I couldn't tell because you get to the end credits and it says, for further reading on this message or for further watching, recommends films or books to read about abortion, I guess. Well, it even says on the, they had, I could, again, like they had like this disclaimer that you didn't know if it was joking or not on oh, the back yeah. of their flyer that was like, if you are 
the survivor of an attempted abortion, please advise. Like, this could be unsettling. Yeah, which we presume was a joke. Yeah. But you watch the film, and this feels like it's genuinely an agenda-driven The agenda beginning driven of this film pro-life. is, like, really crazy. It's documentary-style stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it just launches into this bullshit film. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. And I honestly thought the beginning of this was the trailer for a different movie. Yeah, I And did then too. the movie started, yeah. and I was like, holy shit, this yeah. is this movie? Yeah, yeah. It was really weird and just I just I had no idea how to feel about this film. Yeah, I didn't at all. And it, they were playing it for laughs all the time, but then the music was really hyper serious all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it wasn't. I didn't find it funny. Um, no. And I was just so shocked the whole time by how cheap it was, mm-hmm. and the voice of the main villain, who's just ridiculous. It's so just like oh, like it's meant to be a personal student film joke or something. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then and then the editing just becomes a nightmare. The film becomes a nightmare. People literally teleport from place to place. Yeah. And me and Tom came out. I don't know if you guys agree, but we've watched a lot of horror films and a lot of people making stupid decisions in our time. Yeah. I've never seen a film with people making as stupid decisions as they make in this film no. because they're not just stupid, but they make no sense oh, yeah they don't have any bearing on reality they literally just go just like i need to go in this room the... now someone goes why are you going in there because i need to just go and check it because i really just yeah. i need to go secure it what was it, it was the wall uh, the trellis yeah the trellis yeah, outside that's, that's, she's standing so above the trellis and she yeah. realizes the villain can come up it and she goes yeah. oh i better take it down so she goes downstairs After outside she calls another person over <laughs> to close and lock the window yeah. that she yeah. was just standing and at, she's at the fully top of capable it. of closing it's like you and just it. push it from the top well, like watching the guy climb up it slowly mm. why would you not push it from the top why, why would you not yeah. just she had a pokey thing in her hand. Why don't when you? And then she goes down the bottom and she can't do it. It's like yeah, because you need to do it from the fucking top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you were. There's just a million things and literal yeah. stuff which just made no sense. But things was like I have no idea what just happened because the editing yeah. and shooting was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. This But this is one of the things where I don't hate it as much as I did Downhill or mm. Blood Feast because the acting was a little bit better than both of those. For sure. Yeah. And the people seemed like they were having some fun, at least. Yeah. yeah. You know, they seemed like the people made it, enjoyed maybe making it. Yeah. Which does count for something. Yeah. But, oh my God. For yeah, a second to last movie, I couldn't believe it. It wasn't I came... what I was expecting for a uh, Christmas theme. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like last year. I always think the Christmas films really are going to be like, yeah, some fun. Yeah. yeah. Things. Like what, uh, whatever it was called. What was the one that came out last Krampus. year? Krampus, yeah. You, yeah. I, I wanted something like that. Yep. I don't want some anti-abortion no. film. I came out of this really just done. Really done. And I just so kept saying, this festival just needs a shotgun pull to it right now. Because yeah. to have a film like that is your second last film. And, and that wasn't a shuffling schedule thing. The first films in the day were shuffled around depending on which screen you're in. These last two were synced. So these were the two films they wanted to end with. I was like, how do you want to end with that movie? As you yeah. lead into the, I, yeah. I just couldn't comprehend I don't know. it. Scores? Uh, three. Another three. I will go 2.5. Ooh, Chris is lower than you for once. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're lower than me on something else. Yeah. I don't remember what. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think 2.5 <laughs> as well. It was just so. It was the end for me of, of just my temper with everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we had the last film of the festival. Oh. Tamara's jumping in here because Tamara, Tamara saw here. this film. Yeah. Tamara, bring up the stool and bring yeah. it around by the mic. Over here. The UK premiere of Train to Do Busan. Is that how we say this word? I think so. Uh, this is a, a South Korean film. South Korea make a lot of good films, particularly when they're doing horror or thriller or you know genre movies. Um, directed by Yon Sang Oh Ho. 
I'm going to really fuck up these ones, aren't I? With a bunch of people who may be famous in Korea. I don't know. They're not from the batch mm. of people I know. From they have a really good famous. skin. They did. Mm. Um, they do. This was a Cannes 2016 Midnight Movie Sensation, apparently. Uh, what does it say? How do we go into this? The government declares martial law just as divorce Seok Wu and his daughter catch the KTX, which is basically a train, from Seoul Station to Busan to see her mother. But someone on the journey has been recently infected, sending the hurtling carriages into complete chaos as a living dead transformed the voyage into a nightmare excursion. Father and daughter must fight for survival if they are to make it out alive. First of all, I wanted to ask because mm-hmm. it was it called it the uh, co. They had a pun on career and train. First was it Korean or something? These what? trains, the, on all the trains. Yeah, uh, it is Korail. Korail. Yeah. Is that a real thing? Because if so, this know. is the best ad for ever. Because it's all about we will fucking get it you there. Seriously, yeah. dedicated staff. Yeah, because we were just polite like, all the way through. A two-hour <laughs> like, for the rail system. In yeah. Korea. That was crazy. Not well, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. we all went into this very tired, other than Tamro, who's been here but for hopeful, a lovely day. like just. But I'm, this is the thing, I want to say, like... edge of cliff, hopeful. <laughs> I think most of us are done with zombie films. We've seen enough zombie films and apocalyptic zombie films. But it was a Korean movie, and we knew it was, you know, big budget, and mm-hmm. Korean movies in, in the genre are normally excellent. I wasn't looking forward to the subtitles. Uh, no? As the last film of the day, you, know, you just need to... Dude, I just things, wanted you know, anything remotely quality. just the lovely, palpable, uh, like whatever confusion or awkward silence of a of a a group of people in a cinema when the only thing on the screen are the like introduction titles that are all in korean oh yeah yeah. and you have nothing to think about or focus on except <laughs> these characters them, that you do not recognize no, one of them was just the silently up, filling was your English, screen and then it had yeah. the voice and said it's new yeah everybody was laughing that was great it was like so it better funny. fucking be new yeah <laughs> um oh Man, thank God for this movie. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Tanro, Korea. I'm going to start with you because cool. this was the only film you got to see at the festival yeah, other than your true. own. So how did yeah. you feel about it, you lucky, lucky fucker? I loved it. <laughs> it was um, fun at times, um, exciting, um, really um, emotional. Um, and what I loved about it most is that it really touches with the uh, current social situation South Korea has with its nation mm. and with the, uh, the rich and the poor, the, how the uh, CEOs and those big corporate companies uh, tend to be really uh, selfish and uh, how mm. the uh, tr- traditional morality of the country is sort of fading. So it really touched on that. And so it's what a zombie film should be, which it should have a social message buried mm-hmm. in there and yeah there's a lot of social media. i didn't catch all the ones that you did but i just mm-hmm. caught a few but like there's a lot yeah. going on in this that they're definitely saying with things um some more in the nose than others i think um yeah haruka came out of this bawling tears yeah god bless her had a very emotional conclusion though it really mm. did yeah i mean yeah. you didn't find it like that but i found um, it really emotionally yeah like gravitating and it was yeah, very I- heavy at the end it seemed obvious when you think about it, but I didn't expect that coming. 
Yeah. Like, oh, okay, that's, that little girl, though. There's yeah. a girl actress, the child actress in here. She's oh, fucking yeah, she's incredible. Yeah. She just really was. Even in another language, I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Just really blown away by her. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Chris. Yep. I thought it was awesome. It was a nice way to end on a high note with the festival. It was a necessary way. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just yep. so difficult because it's like they end with these powerhouses, and it makes you forget all the other bullshit. And then the next year, we're gonna be like, "Yeah, but Train to Busan was last year. We got a really good one, kind of like Jig. That was pretty good." And then you know yeah, there'll be that. others that like by that point will be more popular, and we'll be like, "Yeah, we saw it last year. We were the first ones to see it. It was great." <laughs> and you're gonna forget the other shit, and then I just. I don't know. This guy directed... Sorry, I was just looking up what the director had done before and he did a yeah. couple of animations. Um, one called Seattle Station with zombies in it. Mm. And he did one years ago, which was an animated movie called The King of Pigs, which was actually real good. I saw that one years, interesting. years ago. Um, so he's only done an anime before. Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, this was a fucking great movie. Like it's it so really good. was. It yep. was... Yeah, it's not like... Uh, for me, it's not in the absolute upper echelon of Korean movies because Korea's made some truly yeah. phenomenal movies and this wasn't quite up there it's definitely more commercial um but it's essentially like snowpiercer meets, meets, meets world War yeah that's what uh, i was gonna really say it um it's way more focused than snowpiercer snowpiercer is way more inventive yeah um, and that's a korean director as well just making an american film um but this is just showing hollywood really like how these blockbusters should be done like mm-hmm. how you can have soul and character and an emotional journey and the effects like there's so many effects in this film and a couple of them were a little bit okay you can see the seams showing but it's like for the most part like they only use the effects when they have to practicals use you know for some incredible set pieces there's just some like the erratic movement of the zombies mm. i was fascinated with. great the zombies. i kept trying to yeah. figure out how you're doing this because they're playing with frames studdish frames and mm-hmm. then speeding up but not speeding up like hey it looks tacky mm-hmm. yeah. it was really cool and using contortionists obviously yeah for a lot of it. there was that oh. one baseball player kid or whatever when he fell and the way he got back up yeah. i was oh, yeah. mesmerized yeah 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 like, I would have gotten eaten these are in the that most... apocalypse because I would have been like, what the fuck did you yeah. that? These are the most ferocious zombies I've yeah. ever seen on screen. Yeah. Like, yeah. definitely. They're just fucking belting yeah. it at you. Gunning at also. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a bit when they're just spilling out and it's yeah. just like, and it's like World War Z, but it doesn't look like CGI. It looks yeah. like, yeah. oh, they actually just chucked a lot of people. Yeah. I think they did. Yeah. They probably yeah. did, yeah. yeah. Um, because there was a lot of practicality to it as well, where it was like, what would happen if you had a horde like that? And one tripped and one fell. And it was just like this almost yeah. animated feel of this like pilot. But then it kind of, it was like water. Everything was like yeah. liquidated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just so, it was like entrancing when you watched it. So to be clear though, the whole, pretty much the whole film does take place on this train. Um, yeah. Or on yep. trains. And from carriage to carriage, kind of the battle between not just the zombies, but other people. And how quickly, yeah, the social climate boils down to right. people's personalities. And mistrust and things like that um and yeah i i mean i for me this film started off spectacular the build i thought was brilliant i thought the Mm -hmm. first frights were incredibly well directed Mm -hmm. uh the first scenes on the train and the first all the way up to their first again no spoilers but the first kind of bit of the journey um then for me it petered off a little bit in terms of i feel like i've seen I, mm-hmm. I kind of got a little bit sick of the train at one point and I, I would have liked to have seen it maybe yeah. you got sick of the train imagine how they felt <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, and I did kind of like... The good thing with Snowpiercer is it's so fantastical. They get to have every carriage is a whole different setup, mm-hmm. a whole different visual design. So it's always fresh. This one, off, yeah, after like... Because two-hour film, about an hour and a half in, or I was kind of like, okay, I feel I've seen enough. Like, yeah. I'm ready to, to leave now sort of thing. So it was a little bit overlong for me, but Korean films are always long. Mm-hmm. You don't get short Korean films. Um, I didn't have any emotional response you guys did to it at all. Um, it didn't affect me in an emotional way i didn't feel like crying at all i uh, cry when i watch when i see other people cry though it's just like a trigger reaction yeah no but like i everyone, like, like i say haruka was bawling and everyone yeah. came out very emotional i was like i just thought it was a fun-filled action film and as hollow to be Strong honest for family me, as, thing as though mm. yeah it didn't it didn't do much for me in that way like jig affected me a lot more emotionally than this did um i could I connect to that journey I parents couldn't... are different though for different yeah gen- like for different countries and things yeah yeah of course but i'm just saying like everyone did have emotional connection other than me yeah. so like depending how you how you go into this i couldn't I think the conclusion is that you're heartless i'm heartless yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that's what i mean like jeek didn't affect everyone emotionally but that did for me like that would generally hit me and real life really hit me emotionally like i was yeah. affected massively by that film it got me thinking about my life just decisions. because you want to be like sustained and suspended no but uh, no but i am scared of immortality and it made me think about yeah. a lot of things in my own life and decisions i've made and it made i was going for a stressful day that day as well right. and suddenly i came out and i was like you know what? it doesn't really matter like everything's it made me like really think about stuff this didn't make me think about anything other than how good the directing was and how cool the scenes i think it, were. the people who do get emotional uh kind of people who's attached to the family thing yeah. and also the fact that you are part of this society who needs to make life choices of work or non-work stuff yeah mm-hmm. and uh, but we in the this film industry that work and non-work lifestyle they they're sort of merging together so we yeah. don't really get it but yeah. yeah i think i just had a problem not with the lead actor at all because i thought he did a great job um, but I didn't. I couldn't connect with him, so I never really got on board with him at all. Uh, pun intended. Well, there were a couple <laughs> of other characters in the film I did get more on board with, but they were dispatched earlier, so it was just kind of like there was no. I didn't really identify with him. I didn't. Really I don't think care that he was him. the lead. I would consider the little girl more the lead than him. I mean, no, yeah, he was he's more got a lot active. Of screen time. But it was more like the only reason he was active was to protect her. I know, but I... And honestly, like, I think that she was the reason that people got emotional. It's because, like, if you saw it from her eyes, she was just so distant from... Like, the only interactions she'd had with adults Mm -hmm. were being disappointed. And the only person that Mm -hmm. she loved was her mother, who she was separated from. And it was like, that was her whole goal. It was like, I just want to get back to my mom. So she was on this journey to get back to her. And she just, all she got to experience were like shitty adults and people that were just being ugly. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then to even have like the things happen to her and that chaotic experience. And then so the whole time you're just like, don't let the one person that she has in her life who's just now coming around to not being an ugly, shitty person and understanding why he shouldn't be the way that he is. Yeah. Like, don't let her lose that person in her life like she yeah. only had one point of contact so i think i don't i mean and i understand that that's like a prosaic notion in some like dramatic films but at the same time it was like that little girl was amazing she was mm. just like very emotional and she just made you like only want good things to happen to her <laughs> yeah but 
Given yeah. that, she would have been a great zombie, probably, too. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. I just wanted to, like, yeah, bad things to happen to everyone in this film. Because <laughs> yeah. Not because I didn't like them, just because it's that kind of film. Yeah. And Korea, I'm used to them just going right down. Because this one was interesting, actually, because a lot of Korean films, what I find fascinating about Korean films, um, or genre films in particular, is that they jump around. You know, they, they will be PG-rated then suddenly you'll have a scene with yeah. hardcore sex or violence or inappropriate, you know, like weird things just happen out of nowhere. Whereas we're used to in Western mm-hmm. films having, you know what you're in from the beginning and every scene feels the same because yeah. you know you're in safe grounds because you're watching a horror film, you know where you're at. If you're watching a comedy, you know where you're at. Mm-hmm. Whereas Korean films a lot of times, it's fucking everything. It's just all over the place and you don't know what's coming next and it makes it unpredictable. This wasn't, this was very much on the level. You knew what you were getting. Mm-hmm. It was very consistent throughout, which I found interesting. Um, from a Korean movie. Someone totally needs to make a horror film with the the other male funny guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's awesome. another guy. That guy is huge. Great. Yeah. I mean, he's probably he needs well, to maybe do he's something. big in Korea. We don't know. No, like physically, mm. he's a massive person. Yeah, no, no. I he's mean, like, he's, so maybe funny. he's been in some great films. Um, oh, yeah, there's kind of a new wave of Korean films right now that I'm out of touch with. So I want to mm. revisit. Any final thoughts on that film before we move on to an overall? It was great. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Definitely see it. Definitely yeah, recommend definitely it. to anyone. Yeah. Scores? 9.5. 9.5. I'm just going to repeat what you say, but with an exclamation mark at the end. I know, and raised eyebrows for those of you that aren't here. Damn right. Can we give you a one and only score? Nine. Nine? Yeah, the nine. Does that mean no or? <laughs> <laughs> very good. Watson's very good. Um, I'm going to give it the same as I gave Jeep, which is an 8.5. Cool. Um, so, favorite film of the festival, Katie? Uh, I would say either Jeep or Pets. You just gave that one a 9. I know. So, and it's not one of your favorite films of the festival? I gave it a 9.5. So it's my highest rated one. Oh, well, it's not your favorite as a festival? No. But it's your highest rated. Yeah. This makes no sense. I... Can everyone back me up on this? No. <laughs> if you yeah, gave something it's weird. the yeah. highest no. rating, that means it's your favorite film like, of the festival. I think like horror genre based is no, 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 the no. best film. But my favorite is a different thing. Mm. But like I, I would go back and I would like buy a pet because it's like the but kind of film that I want. you lower score than the other one. Yeah, I don't you're not judging them on how successful they are as a horror film. You're judging them how much you like them. I like them. Yeah. But you, do you understand what I'm saying? I can, I can make my own choices. Then you gave Busan. Feel like Pet had things wrong with it. But as a theme, I would go back and watch it more okay. regularly probably than I would Train to Busan. Okay. Mm. So you're kind of... Mm. Okay. Dude, don't mess with my flow. <laughs> like, go on to someone else if you don't like my answer. I, just started, I don't it's care. Very weird. Uh, Chris, um, initially was Jig, but now after watching Train to Busan, I'm thinking that one is my favorite because okay. I go back and rewatch that nice, uh, awesome movie. Just sit back and watch. Okay. Yeah. Tamara, what was your favorite of the one film that you saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say <laughs> so. Um yeah, my favourite was probably still just Jeek. 
Um, I think Trend of Busan is Jeeks. by far a bigger <laughs> achievement in terms of what they did, but Jeek just spoke to me a little bit more personally. Yeah. I think. Which one scares you the most? So yeah, that was going to be my next question. What was the actual best um, horror film? As in, actually, you know. Terrified. That's a nothing no, scared me this year. Pee yourself. Like, nothing scared me this year. <laughs> Pee yourself. I'm just flicking through. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. scary for me at all this year. Um, no. So, honestly, 2016 failed. Yeah, <laughs> it completely did. No frights for me. Like, the, <laughs> my next ones are all like in the same realm of, like, definitely the most tense of us was The Chamber, but just oh, for yeah. the last sort of 15 minutes of that. Um, but the next round for me are just like the ones that I enjoyed, which was The Chamber, um, Sadako versus Kayako. Um, Sword of 31, I guess, and The Wimble Massacre. They're all ones where it's like, I like all those films and I would buy them all. And mm-hmm. every now and then I'll go back to them kind of thing. Um, real Life for me. I, so I kind of get what you're saying with Pet because Real Life I gave a lower score than the other yeah. two. But, it, but it's one that like kind of affects me more. It's like your little pocket favorite. Like yeah. you're like, yeah, I really like it. Yeah. But it's not like technically the best film. Yeah. So my three favorites were definitely Train to Bissan, Jig, and Real Life were definitely my three favorites. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think intense wise, I would probably say thirty one. Okay. But just because it was like a proper horror the film. The only one that I actually felt was an actual horror film, yeah. 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 So Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think uh Change Busan, Jig and Real Life I think N thirty one those okay. are the ones that <laughs> What was the least favorite film of the festival? Downhill oh. from Katie. <laughs> from Chris, he can't decide. Uh, I have to say Blood Feast because it's the only one I walked out of. Blood yeah. Feast was just awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm Fright Fest. Um, <laughs> I'd have to add up the points, which I might do next time we do a podcast because I like doing an average to see what he averaged out as for me each year. Um, it's got to be, I mean, it started to redeem itself a little bit. We had like a few more. We had at least like five films, like I say, I enjoyed. Three films that I really, really thought were great. Um, but it was one of the worst years in my 14 years of Fright Fest. And why do you think that is? I don't know. I think there's probably something to do with them. Like we're talking about it. Like I think there's definitely some politics. They have to do certain films. Like the first film was a Fright Fest distributed film, the opening movie. Mm-hmm. And there's no coincidence mm-hmm. with that. Um, and that certainly wasn't one of the worst of the festival. Um, then I think there's probably some favors with some friends because um, one of the worst films, I don't want to again point names, like they said it was their friend who did it kind of yeah. thing when he came out. You know, okay. Um, and also, yeah, I just think horror is a bit lost right now. I think, you know, we're talking about like the big horror films make a lot of money again at the moment, so they weren't for a while and they're not, they don't need festivals like Blair Witch. Mm. The new one got pulled from this at the last minute, sadly because suddenly hype for it became huge and well, we don't need a festival we'll just put it out there and it'll make tons of money mm-hmm. and you're not going to get a yeah, Conjuring you're not going to get an Annabelle you're not going to get a Paranormal Activity movie they're not going to be at a Fright Fest anymore yeah. whereas 10 years ago they would um, and yeah I think we're in a transition time like we went through the 90s which was all slashes we went through Torture Porn uh, which was a reaction to the 90s slashes because they were too clean and then reaction to the Torture Porn was no gore so that was all uh, yeah, spooky stuff which started with Paranormal Activity and then moved into Conjuring and stuff like that. And I feel yeah. we're now just at the end of Ghosts 
and I don't think we know where it's going to land yet. So I think the stuff they can get, the like 75% of it's just, yeah, dirge. Um, where do you think it's going to be headed next? Do you think monsters again? I want monsters again. Oh, yeah. Because I want monsters and slashes. They're my personal right. ones that even if yeah. they're bad or watching but, but you're talking about post-apocalyptic as well so it's probably yeah they've got to be done with zombies like zombies yeah. have to end at some point they've been going on for so long now 15 oh, years I hope so. yeah um i really don't know i really don't know where it's gonna go i don't know what people are in the mood for after ghosts like if they need something more physical again mm. uh, more physical menace i just want uh like water monsters back Water monsters like Nessie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the swamp thing or a creature from the Black Lagoon. Like I like those yeah. lore-y monsters, but like ones that, you know, are more creative. It's weird though because the DVD market has created a vacuum of tons of monster yeah. movies. They're just really shit. It's all the Mega Prana and the, yeah. the Jurassic Sharknado and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's so many of those. So that's the problem. So they're I think not it, monsters, they're sharks. <laughs> the forces of nature yeah exactly um, yeah I really don't know where it's going and so this year like I say we moved we moved to Shepherd's Bush we talked briefly with Alan Arthurs and he said don't know if we'll be here next year yet or not um, so we don't know where Fright Fest will be next year I was worried about new location actually it kind of worked pretty well I thought the mood and the atmosphere was still great yeah. Yeah. I will still be coming to Fright Fest every year as long as I'm in England um, I won't plan my life around it like I used to necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm now just at a point where, yeah, if I'm 10 minutes into moving, it's bad. I'm walking and I'm going to go do some work in the mall right. and wait until the next one. I don't like yeah. I'm done with sitting through the really shitty stuff. It's, it's yeah. just if these people can't be bothered yeah. to make a proper film. Then I'm not going to be expected to sit through it. Yeah. yeah. Like have a fucking plan, write a decent script I agree. and put some money in it. If you don't have those things then don't make a fucking film yep yeah but i think it's partly my age and partly just the, I know, but of you, the films this as year, it but should I'm, be though like your standards need to be raised as you get older and it's like yeah these are people that are your peers and that are if not but older than you and it's like you know better but i mean you look back at some of these films on this list you know and they used to have some some of the greatest films ever made used to be there every year you yeah. know at least one mm-hmm. or two and, yeah and, and this year no it was was not one of the greatest films ever made this year and it's um yeah it was tough it's tough but if that didn't sell it to you (laughs) Um, it's an experience like you should definitely come and experience yeah the atmosphere is great even for a day or something it's great fun it's Um, really fun so i would recommend coming next year when we will be covering it again i'm sure for 2017 and we may even have a film there depending if uh, they accept us and depending mm-hmm. if we submit or not but our, yeah, sure. our company's first uh, independent film Starfish it's will be, be submitted awesome. by them Starfish. so exciting so we'll yeah. see uh, thank you very much for listening to our two parters uh, we are back every single Tuesday with our regular podcast which is just called Geeks, Geeks. Uh, where we talk about topical games and movie news uh, I think this week it's been handled with our LA crew so if you don't like this hot podge of English American and Japanese accents you can hear Australian accents from our LA they crew were, they, they were spared the Irish though yeah that's <laughs> Could have had a real you would not have understood a word <laughs> that our Irish guys would have done um we are a production company called we are tessellate with two s's and two l's you can just go to our url we are tessellate.com you can link out to all of our social medias 
we are Tesla on all social medias. Also on YouTube, go there, subscribe to our channel, leave some little things to say hello. Uh, go on to iTunes, type in Geeks and Tesla, and you can get our podcasts. We've got a whole ton going up, and we've got a bunch, if you listen to this, horror-themed ones. We're doing the entire Friday 13th retrospectives. We're doing all the Nightmare on Elm Street retrospectives. Then we're going to do Halloween. Eventually, we'll get to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I'll just keep on putting it off. Um, although I'm kind of intrigued right now, because it's been a long time. Um, yes, yeah, so you can just do that. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, that does actually really help us out. So leave a rating and subscribe. Geeks, Tessellate, chuck the N, get it up. Um, what else do I have to say? Anything else I have to say? Don't think so. Don't think so. Anyone got any updates? Tamara, are you involved with anything interesting right now? You need to pimp? You fine? Uh, I'm going to TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival. Yes, you and are. I will see you soon after. So the uh, podcast uh, in mid-September I can give you some report nice that's another film that you got in a festival yeah. within a couple of weeks which are it's exciting mm-hmm. that's awesome. the world premiere at TIFF for this one yes nice yeah. there was another Fright Fester that was going to TIFF here where it was now it was yeah. one that we saw today oh. the nice. directors were saying it was going to be there maybe uh, it was Monolith sorry until then, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Being, being in the same proximity. Apology accepted. Uh, until then, come back every single Tuesday, listen to our podcast, watch our stuff, have a lovely week. Thank you, and we're out. Geeks. 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 Geeks.